with people going back to work, some of the couples, at first when they saw each other too much, they were like, oh, get away from me. But then they got used to it. And now they're having some anxiety going back to work. So they're My wife's ready to go back to the office. Mark my words. <laughs> She's worried about the dog, but not about you. <laughs> She'll be anxious about coming home from the office. <laughs> Welcome back again to Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian. I am a licensed therapist, and Brian is someone who has partaken. Partaken <laughs> works, I believe. Partaken. As we conjugate the verb to partake. Exactly. In therapy in your lifetime, and it's been very helpful to you. So we thought, you know, let's do a podcast about this, and we'll pick different topics. And today, we're going to talk about anxiety, which, of course, we've talked about in different ways and touched upon it in all different ways. But we're going to go a little bit more in depth because this does affect a lot of people. I was reading an article about 40 million people in the U.S. have been diagnosed with some sort of anxiety disorder. So it really does hit home for a lot of people. And I'm willing to bet there are people with it who don't even know that they Mm -hmm. have it. And it is at the base of every single reason why I went into therapy. It was the two-headed monster of depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. But the more that I was delving into everything, what needed the most work was my anxiety. Now, we've discussed my social anxiety in the past, Mm -hmm. But my overall anxiety, which is caused by primarily two things, at least it was for me, when I would get really upset about things and get sad, I would have regrets about my past, Mm -hmm. I would worry about the future, I would fortune tell, I was doing the, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? How can I prepare myself for that? Oh, why did I do this in the past? Things that I can't change at all. And even the future, I have no control over that. So it was about getting me centered in between the two and focusing on the now. What a journey that was. Mm -hmm. It took years. It took a lot of journaling. It Mm -hmm. took many exercises. We talk about rewiring the brain and how you operate. And it's the thing I'm probably most proud of and the thing that I give advice about the most when people come to me about these sorts of things. Absolutely. And you mentioned social anxiety. People also have general anxiety about lots of different things like you also mentioned too. That's what I was saying. Yeah, that was like the big picture thing. And that's where all my problems were coming from because I was just freaked out about things that might happen, but then the question becomes, well, what if they don't happen? Right, exactly. And then there's also people who have a lot of different phobias that causes Mm -hmm. a lot of anxiety that people are afraid of things. There's panic disorder where you have a lot of anxiety attacks and separation anxiety disorder that causes a lot of anxiety. A lot of times you think about that with kids, like separating. I think about it with beagles because that's just my experience. (laughs) I was going to say with pets as Mm -hmm. well, and especially coming off this pandemic, the pets are getting used to the people going back to work and they're not liking that. We have been talking about that I have never seen an animal more needy than my dog Mm -hmm. because the dog has just been by our side like you wouldn't believe and for a time when we would both be at work we would put him in a pen and Mm -hmm. he would be fine in there for hours we can't put him in there for five minutes now and I know it's because he's so used to us being around he's like excuse me we're not going back to that but it's true that adults also have that separation anxiety and they've been talking about that with people going back to work some of the couples at first when they saw each other too much, they were like, oh, get away from me. But then they got used to it. And now they're having some anxiety going back to work. So they're My wife's ready to go back to the office. Mark my words. She's worried about the dog, but not about you. She'll be anxious about coming home from the office. Uh, (laughs) Oh, no. My gosh, he's there. 
there. Me and the dog in the pen. <laughs> so yeah, and anxiety can be very debilitating. Of course, anxiety in and of itself is not a bad thing. It helps to signal us that we need to focus on something. There's a threat. There's something that we need to do. It gets our body to focus, get your heart moving. It gets your blood to your extremities to get you ready to run or to fight, or in some cases to freeze and kind of wait out an issue. So it gets you ready. But the problem is a lot of people have this like false alarm. And that's what I've talked to my clients about. You have a false alarm that keeps going off, telling you you're in danger when in fact you actually are not. And it makes it feel very urgent, like you have to do something. Yeah, with anxiety, there is a line. And one of the things that I talk about, especially with my OCD and my very active brain and how that can be used for good, creatively, Mm -hmm. things of that nature, it can also be used for bad. When I get anxious about something, I get hyper anxious Mm -hmm. and I can't think about anything else. And I just keep going and going and going all over it, looping, trying to figure out ways to get myself out of it. As I said, trying to prepare myself by predicting what might happen and what I would do in that situation. Mm -hmm. And it can become absolutely debilitating. Yeah. And I tell people, we love to know possibilities about things. But when you're dealing with anxiety, I tell people to look at what's probable rather than what's possible. Because if you're looking at what's possible, you're looking at every single kind of scenario. And your brain is built to problem solve and to try to figure things out. But when it doesn't have all the facts and you're running off this emotion, it really doesn't help. Like you said, you just keep looping over and over again or something that already happened and you keep looping over and over again as though you can change it. Like you're trying to figure out a way to change it. To really put this in the perspective of a real life situation where I kept getting tripped up was I was on this really bad streak with relationships and I would have one for a while. It would be very passionate. It would be up and down. It would eventually fall apart. Then my anxiety became about, well, how do I get this back together when that should have been the last thing that I should have been Mm -hmm. focusing on because this relationship failed for a reason. And because I was becoming so hyper-focused on this, it began to take over my life and affect every other area. My professional relationships with other people, my sleep, my work. And what I wasn't doing, because I was trying to fix this thing that was unfixable, I wasn't focusing on the moment, asking myself, well, how can I move on from this to put myself in a better opportunity the next time to explore that next relationship? I didn't even want to hear about the relationship. All I wanted was that thing fixed at any cost. And Mm -hmm. I would go to a therapist and say, how can we do this? And the therapist (laughs) would say, maybe we should stop looking at that shiny object and start looking at some others. Right, exactly. And turn inward and say, what is it that I'm telling myself? What story am I telling myself? And you might have been telling yourself a story of, I have to have this. Now, how do I make this work? (laughs) And not only that, I would say, if I found out this girl had met another guy, oh my God, suppose they start dating, suppose they sleep together, suppose they get married. I mean, that's the road Mm. that you start going down. And you can already see how manic and unhealthy that is. Right. And what fires together wires together. So if that, if you're, I like that. (laughs) Let me write that down. (laughs) So remember that, Brian, because when your anxiety is firing like that, some of those thoughts come in of all the insecurity. Every time you have that anxiety, these are those automatic thoughts that are coming together. They're firing together, they're sticking together, and they're wiring together. So you really have to be aware of what's happening. It's just like when people, maybe they get bored and they start overeating, or they're anxious and they overeat, or they have an addiction. Every time they kind of feed their addiction when they're bored, or they have painful feelings they don't want to deal with, certain behaviors that we do, we have to watch what we're doing with that because they will get stronger together because they associate together. And it's like, oh, okay, that's what I do. When I feel this way, this is what I do. What we have to do and what we do in therapy, too, is to kind of pull that out and tease that out to say, wait a minute, maybe we need a new reaction to this feeling. Because these are all unhealthy behaviors. And that's what you have to differentiate. That's where the therapy comes Mm -hmm. in, where you are 
just so laser focused on something that maybe can't be fixed and you're doing all the wrong things, as I said, and one of the most effective tools, I've mentioned it before and it's worth mentioning now, I had anxiety broken down into things, like I said, fortune telling, trying to predict the future, mm-hmm. trying to control things that you can't control. As soon as I was able to realize that I was fortune telling, I was supposed to envision a stop sign to stop that behavior mm-hmm. and refocus to something else. That's when I started getting trained to do things that were more healthy. Right. And that's where I needed to take a deep breath and calm myself down. And for people who are stuck in that place where you just can't get this one thing out of your mind, Mm -hmm. this is fixable. I know you don't think it is. And the problem is, too, like with the girl, I would think, well, that's the only thing that can make me happy. So Mm -hmm. forget everything else. I don't want to hear about anything else. I just want this fixed now. You need to be redirected. Well, that's the thing, because a lot of us say, okay, if I just have this one thing, if I just lose the weight, if I just have this one person, if I just have this job, all these things, it's just going to be fixed. My life will be perfect. So of course, who doesn't want the perfect life? So we focus on the thing we think is going to make us happy and make us perfect. Believe you me, I've had all of those things. I've never been happy. (laughs) You get happier. Yeah. But at some point too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we talk about this. I always thought it's so funny. I remember being just out of college and I just wanted that fun full-time job and saying to myself, oh, if I could only make $30,000 a year, that's all I'll ever need. And then, you know, you get to the 30000 yeah. and you're just oh, you like, want more? boy, this apartment sucks and I hate my roommate. I really got to get more money. I need 40000 And yeah. life is mm-hmm. all about those readjustments and mm-hmm. all about, too, those obstacles, those things that are going to devastate you and how are you going to get around it? And these are the ruts that you can get into with depression and anxiety. Exactly. And it can be terrifying while it's going on. But yes, there are many solutions. And the thing is, too, it's like when you get stuck in that and you get focused on that and your brain just starts thinking, OK, this is the solution. These are some of the things that brains do, which can bring us down the wrong path. But of course, we feel like it's the right path. But if we stop and think about it, and just like you said with the stop sign, if we stop and notice, okay, what is happening here? This is another level of going to that mindfulness place to notice what your brain is doing. Notice what your thoughts are doing. Notice what you're telling yourself. Notice how you feel about that and start to challenge that. And that's really what therapy is about to say, wait a minute, is it true? And even if it is true, I mean, is there another way to look at this? And it really kind of shakes it off a little bit. And I'm sure in your head, you were thinking when you went into therapy, I have to have this girl, certain things like that. But now you can look at it in a more flexible way. And that's what anxiety is when we're very rigid and we don't have faith in things. So we lose our faith in whatever it is. It doesn't have to be a religious faith, just a faith in things working out, a faith in our own confidence in ourselves that we can figure this out, a faith that sometimes life works out the way it's supposed to. Maybe you dodged a bullet and not Mm -hmm. being with that girl. Oh, totally. Um, So stepping back and being able to look at that. When we're very rigid and we only see it one way, it's really hard for us to see all those new perspectives. So sometimes in therapy, that's what we do is to introduce that. And what therapy and maturity have taught me is there's no one thing that's going to make you happy. And Mm -hmm. as a matter of fact, there are no five things that are going to make you happy. As I use that example, if only I could make $30,000, you're constantly evolving. You can get five of those things that you want, but at some point you get bored and you want to continue to grow and you want more. Mm -hmm. So that's just the natural evolution of life. And when you get really, really down about that one thing, you need to start shaking things up, maybe in all directions, to pull yourself out of that rut. And maybe you have to start looking at other things that can make you happy. We talked about that during the pandemic, where you had to find new ways to occupy your time, or you were going to go out of your mind. Mm -hmm. That mindset can apply to those moments where you're being really anxious about one thing. Mm -hmm. What can I do 
in the moment to kind of pull myself off of this treadmill that I can't seem to get off of and distract myself and do something productive while I try to figure out the rest of my life, Mm -hmm. which in the case of all of those girls who, look, if I had gotten back together with some of them, it just would have crashed and burned again and I would have had the same problem all over again. As a matter of fact, there was one girl, we were back and forth four and five times Mm. and every single time my anxiety was getting worse. Every time she would come back, I was like, oh my God, this is it. I'm so happy. But I was constantly walking on eggshells the entire time, knowing in the back of my mind, and then probably smothering her because of that. Mm -hmm. Oh, what a cycle, Courtney. And sometimes it's tough to realize and admit that you are your own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. When it comes to anxiety, you really are most of the time. Right. We have to back up and say, what am I telling myself? What's going on up here in my mind? It's interesting. There was a course that I've taken. I've mentioned this before. I I believe it's called The Science of Well-Being, and it's through Yale. You can do it online. It's free. And it talks about all these things that we think we buy into that, oh, if I make more money, oh, if I have the right person in my life, oh, all of these things. But what actually makes us happier is having that mindful connection, having gratitude for things, stopping and noticing, having those moments of awe. That's another thing. When we have anxiety, there was a study that showed stopping and pausing and distracting yourself with moments of awe, the things that just go, wow, that's so cool. Or looking up at the stars or watching a video that your mind is blown how good it is or the talent that someone has. Something that puts you in that space can really help to decrease the anxiety. But exercise is a great thing because we rev ourselves up. Back in the day when a lion, tiger, or bear was chasing us and we'd get anxious, we had a release. We would either run, we would fight, <laughs> we'd do something physical. Or die. Physical, or die. <laughs> but we'd do something physical and it would release some of that anxiousness. But now people who are chronically anxious, if they're not getting it out in a physical way, it can be a problem. So the exercise piece is really important for people with high anxiety. I hate to say it, the exercise thing does not work for me at all. But you know, it does <laughs> work not, for some people. Yeah, but it's not necessarily for that runner's high or something like that. It's just to help regulate the body a little bit better. I would just say another thing that I learned from therapy and life and maturity is this. I get a lot more happiness from the unexpected. Mm. I chase all of these things that I can't catch. And those are the things that seem to cause me the biggest problems. Mm -hmm. It's more about letting life come to you sometimes. Mm -hmm. As I said recently on our radio show, my radio career did not begin because that was part of the master plan. I never planned on going to radio. I just so happened to be in the car when somebody was talking about how they needed somebody for a radio show to Mm -hmm. be funny and who loves sports. And I thought, well, that's sounds like fun. And the next thing I know, 30 years later, here I am. My current wife, completely off of my radar. Because I was on the radio, she contacted me through there. I hadn't been chasing her my whole life. I've been chasing a lot of other women that I really shouldn't have been going after. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, from the sky, here comes my wife. (laughs) And I'm just so happy. I've talked about my association with Phil Hartman. I just so happened to be watching TV one night when I saw him and he was looking for writers and I sent something off. And the next thing I knew, my TV writing career began. So what are we noticing here? It's not about if I just have this, if I just have that. Mm -hmm. I need to plan everything out. I need to be in control of it. And sometimes too, Courtney, I have some things right now that are going on, and you know this as well as anybody, that I want now. Mm -hmm. And I have to learn that life is not on my timetable. And again, I have to let life come to me. That doesn't mean don't try. That doesn't mean don't put 
yourself out there. Mm-hmm. Always try to put yourself in the best position to be ready. But one of the ways to be in the best position is to be mentally healthy. Right. That is where therapy is so important for not only anxiety, mm-hmm. but everything. Right. You want to be ready for those opportunities. You want to be open for those opportunities. But sometimes they come in their own timetable, mm-hmm. like you said. But I think it's awesome that you can reflect on those times in your life where powerful, amazing things came to you. So when you're feeling like you don't have that faith and you're feeling frustrated, and of course we're human, we all want things when we want them. We're like, oh my gosh, I've been waiting for this. Why isn't this happening? To take that breath and say, have I done everything I can do up to this moment? Okay, yes. Do I need to just take a breath and remember all those times that things came to me? Because having faith in that, I think is really helpful because that's the opposite of anxiety (laughs) to know Mm -hmm. like it's going to be okay. It's going to turn out the way that it should. Just like you said, it's not about saying, well, forget it. I'm not doing anything about this, but it's also not about pushing and pushing to the place where you're sick about it. You have to find those places just like in life, things kind of come up and they come down. They ebb and flow. And you have times where in big productivity and then other times where you have to kind of step back and let things happen and be in the flow. So I think it's important that you tell yourself that. And that's what I tell my clients when you have moments of victory, when you have moments that you did conquer your anxiety or things did go okay, remember those moments. You can build on those. Because of my writing experience, people constantly come to me and they say, who do you read? Who do you like? And they always think that I'm going to say some fiction author. As a matter of fact, I took creative writing in college and one day the professor pulled me aside and he said, you're really good at this. Who are the authors that influence you? And I said, I don't read fiction. I find it to be boring. And he said, really? I've often talked about how Eddie Van Halen taught himself the guitar. I don't want to know the rules because if I knew them, I'd be too afraid to try to break them. Mm -hmm. And that's how I approached writing. But one of the things that I do love to read are autobiographies and biographies of people who are really successful. And one of the things that those will teach you is how difficult their journey was to get where they were, Mm -hmm. how it didn't happen on their timetable, how they had to wait for it and try all these things and what happened when they were ready to get up. And that brings a sense of relief to you saying, oh, okay, well, look how talented this person is. Mm -hmm. And if this person is willing to put in the time, then I need to be able to put in the time. I was talking to a frustrated screenwriter once who told me, I've written five screenplays. They've gone nowhere. I'm so sick of it. I'm putting all of this time in. Shortly after that, I happened to watch a documentary about screenwriters on Netflix. And there was this guy who said, I'm going to give myself 30 screenplays. If I can't get a screenplay made after 30, I'm going to give up. Well, guess what he sold? Number 29. So I was able to go back to that guy and say, hey, what is five compared to 29? This guy put in that work for that long. If he can do it, you can do Mm -hmm. it. And sometimes we need those real world reminders. And speaking of books, because you mentioned that whole Yale online thing, Mm -hmm. I've mentioned this book before. I know you're aware of it. And it really did change my life. Not only the book itself, but the workbook, Feeling Good by Dr. Mm -hmm. David Burns. When it comes to anxiety, to me, that should absolutely be the Bible because it breaks it down in such simple terms. It's almost like anxiety for dummies. Mm -hmm. No offense. None of you are dummies out there. I'm kind of a dummy and it worked for me. That's why I use that phrase. But yeah, I'm sure, Courtney, too, you have a whole host of books that you can recommend. I do. And I have a recommended reading list, although since I'm 50 now, I can't remember off the top of my head. But uh, (laughs) 50. But yeah, that's one of them. 
that's on there. Yeah. I think when people read, I always encourage people to read or read inspirational stories, read things about getting through trauma, getting through your anxiety, getting through depression, because it really does help to give you that other side of things. It's inspirational to see other people getting through and what they did to move through it too. And so I always do encourage people of that, but I think that's a great idea. That's part of awe too. When you're reading right. something, you're like, wow, how did they do this? That's amazing. And they still got up and still tried again, even though they went through all these hard times. And when I talk about the autobiographies of successful people and you get to see how hard they worked mm-hmm. and it didn't just come to them exactly when they wanted it. For as hard as you work at trying to get that job, trying to make that much money, trying to get that significant other, you're going to need to work twice as hard at fixing what's wrong with you from a mental health perspective, mm-hmm. be it anxiety, be it depression, be it anything else. You have to be willing to put in the work and the way to put in that work is with a professional therapist mm-hmm. and with books like that. When your therapist tells you to go home and journal, Courtney, I can only imagine how many people come back and <laughs> say, you say to them, nah. what do you got? And they say, look, I'm going to the meetings. How come I'm not better? You got to put the work in. Yeah, I try to have patience with that. But that does happen a lot where I'll say, okay, did you try the two minutes of meditation that I recommended? I try to keep things very small and doable or writing a little bit journaling. Sometimes people will say, oh, I tried that. It didn't work. And I'm like, well, how many times did you try it? Once. Well, how many times have you been using negative self-talk and all the other things that are unhealthy for you? Oh, my whole life. Okay, then we need to do it more than once to see if it's going to work. I don't blame people. We all have resistance. We're all like, no, no, no. I know how to do it better. Oh, this isn't going to work for me. Because sometimes your brain wants to keep the story going because that's what depression and anxiety will do. Anxiety will say, no, 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 don't listen to that. You have to keep worrying. Or depression will say, no, 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 we don't feel like getting up. We don't want to do that. Let's just stay in bed. Let's stay in bed and stay safe. There's a whole dialogue going on when you have anxiety and depression. And I tell them, I said, listen, I know you're going to feel not motivated. I know it's part of this that you don't want to do this. But we have to look at the commitment over the emotions. So our emotions go up and down all day long over all different things. I want to go to work. I don't want to go to work. I want to go hang out with this person. I don't want to hang out with this person. They up and down, up and down. What we have to look at as the commitment. What are you committing to and what are you willing to do for that commitment? And guess what? Sometimes you're actually going to feel better after you do the commitment, even though you don't feel like doing it. And you're going to build on that success. And that's the challenge that we need to do, especially in therapy. And speaking as a person who did this, you're talking about the people who you asked them to do the work. They're like, well, I tried it and it didn't work. So Mm -hmm. I stopped. The only reason why I passed math in high school, because that was my blind spot, Mm -hmm. was they would give me credit for the work that I did, even if I didn't get the right answer. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, when you're going to say that to a therapist, I tried it, it didn't work. Bring in your work. Mm -hmm. Show them the work. Show them what you wrote down, because even though you might think it didn't work, a therapist can look at what you journaled and say, all right, well, you tried it this way. What if we tried it this mm-hmm. way? There's always some benefit to you doing the work, even if your work brings you to the wrong place in the moment. Right. It can eventually get you to the right place. And the other thing that you have to realize is, too, and a lot of people are resistant for this reason. For as much as you don't want to admit it, anxiety, depression, whatever it is that ails you becomes your comfort zone, mm-hmm. a very unhealthy comfort zone. You're almost too afraid to shake that tree a yeah. little bit to see what's going to drop out of it. That's anxiety. What if it gets worse? Yeah. What if I can't fix it? Then what? Then mm-hmm. I'm a failure. Then that's one more thing for me to be upset about mm-hmm. myself. But the other question is, 
What if it does work? And the only way that you're going to know is if you try. Right. And I tell people, you are not your depression. You are not your anxiety. These are things that you have to deal with. Yes, this is stuff that maybe it's in your chemical makeup. Maybe it's things that's happened to you. But it is not who you are. You are a person dealing with anxiety. You are not just anxious. That is not the whole identity of who you are. So taking back the essence of who you are, there's so many other things that make you up. So we've got to focus on that and say, okay, then what can we do in small pieces? to kind of challenge some of this. And it's hard work, but it's really worth it because you get your life back. Maybe you're stressed out about conflict. Well, then maybe you need to learn about how to be more assertive rather than passive or aggressive. A lot of times people were not taught how to be assertive. Maybe it's social situations and we need to challenge some of that and learn some coping so that you can be out in the world a little bit more and feel more comfortable. There's so many things. Maybe there's a lot of negative thinking that you've taken upon yourself from other people that you've heard as you grew up and you just kind of accept that like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. Maybe that's the kind of thing that you need to challenge. There's all sorts of things that you can work on that can help you to feel less of that anxiety and depression. And just like you had talked about that, you had to challenge some of that. You're right, Courtney. I'm not just my anxiety and my depression. I'm also my insecurity, my OCD. Oh, I can give you a whole host of things that I am. <laughs> You've been working your butt off for a long time. Variety is the mental health spice of life. Well, we mentioned the fact that we're both 50. I'm 50 plus. And we can't remember every single resource that we know inside mm-hmm. of our head. However, there are ways for people to contact you if they're yes. looking for some, and there are other places where you have resources posted. Right. So we have Wellness Wednesday page on catcountry.com, and you can go there. We have lots of resources for you. We also have the Wellness Wednesday episodes that you can right. listen to, which deal with all different things that we're coping with right now through the pandemic and beyond. And you can also reach me, wellness at wctk.com. Socials at Cat Country Mornings. We have individual pages. I'm Brian Mulhern. H-E-R-N. She is Courtney Kelly, E-Y, and Courtney Kelly Bedard as well. Don't forget about finding the podcast and sharing it with other people. Tell them, hey, you can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can even use your smart device. People, we literally could not make it any easier for you. You're giving me anxiety over the fact that you're probably not sharing this enough. Help a brother out (laughs) for this episode. And thank you for listening to this one. I'm Brian. I'm Courtney. And we will see you next time. I'm on Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian.